Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's May 6, 2022, and Patrick, I am starting a show. Do you mind? I thought we were going to do a bit where we were, like, talking because Kato's not here. Yeah, I thought we were going to do a yeah, bit. I, and, instead, yeah, I, and instead, Rob just fucking launched boom, in. just like an air horn out of the podcast. full speed sprint into that Oh, you intro. mean oh, like Kato's you, toilet air horn. I haven't heard you hit an intro like that in, like, in like a Ooh. couple of weeks. Well, Patrick reminded me the motherboard meeting might happen today. We haven't ruled that out. And you know how I love to be prompt for that. Uh, so <laughs> we need to get, get a move. On. It's getting no one from that uh, part of the site listens to the podcast uh, very regularly, enjoys it, loves the content. Do they do? Look, um, they 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 know I love them. They also know I love their meeting, and it's ambiguous scheduling. All these things, all these things are my favorite. Uh, so it's May 6, 2022. You're listening Chris. to Waypoint Radio, episode 479. Anyway, yeah, I'm your 475. Did you say 475 or did I edit that in my head? Okay. No, I said 475. Kind of just bust in telling us to go ahead and start, and then but sits down and then just does an ambiguous hello, hello? in the middle of what? everyone talking. <laughs> I, I said clap, not start. This week's episode of Waypoint Radio, oh, episode 479. Joining us even... today is Ricardo Contreras, God damn our it. producer. You can find him on Twitter at oh, you your local underscore. Going, right? uh, yeah, it's not recording the call, though. You're not recording the call? Oh, like, God. Wow. Oh, God. Hold on. Y'all turned into robots. Cato? Cato <laughs> left. He died. Kato? Kato lied and then Kato died is I think actually what happened there. Kato. Kato go to the polls. <laughs> Fucking gone. Hello. Patrick, hey. we lost another voter. There we go. Okay. Hey, Kato. We're back. We're good. What's going on? How, how much on? of this did we get? I'm. I mean, y'all are I might recording, have right? The gun. No, yeah, it's fine. Recording. If y'all are recording, it's good. Don't okay. worry about it. Were you and now we got a full call yeah. recording. Yeah, the whole call is recording now. So, so, the, so the goof, so the goof has been stored. All the goofs, whatever y'all were doing before I sat down, is 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 good. It's safe on your recordings. If something goes wrong with your recordings, then uh, well, <laughs> yeah, then that's a different. You know, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge. Worms. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, hey, we'll shit in that bed when we make it. <laughs> that, mm. Uh. <laughs> so look, I don't like to toot my own horn. But I think in my predictions for 2022 that I definitely remember recording and publishing last year, I said, <laughs> I keep, know an eye, keep an eye, 
keep an eye on narrative games in I 2022. Oh my fucking uh, Especially wow. keep an eye on Fellow Traveler uh, in particular. I've just been celebrating them. Valor. A, a uh, banner year for narrative. Ever I since, said ever since uh, Susan, like, they got ago. the golden touch. And then I, first, you know, I was able to convince Kato to give Citizen Sleeper a shot. <laughs> what? Um, and you know, we worked on Ren. Um, and because Ren got in and was like, I just want to cover the Overwatch beat. And I was like, it's gonna, you're gonna miss the banner year for strategy games. And she was like, can't write, must be toxic. And so, (laughs) love goats. I love, I love the goats meta and having to watch so many videos about it. Um, you know, she was like, I want to cover Overwatch and FaZe Clan, and that's it. And I was like, hold Jesus on. Christ. This is my FaZe Clan. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta check today. out Citizen Sleeper. But I think together, all of us now, together, with through the power of collective action, mm-hmm. we have awakened Patrick, too. It's true, I did. I, I've, Patrick, I've welcome to the year of narrative. Did I leave? Was I not there? No, only I was there. Playable. No. Oh. Dang. <laughs> but only now I have descended Ro- from the mountain, brought, brought it bearing down. steam coats. That. Brought hey. the Zachnia River to his people. Mm-hmm. So, we just reviewed Citizen Sleeper. Uh, Ren wrote a uh, review of it uh, to kick off the week. Patrick, you've finally gotten around to checking it out. And I am curious now, Patrick, from for your perspective, because uh, we sold this game pretty hard. Uh, you know, like Kata was over the moon mm-hmm. about it. Ren was all in. But you can be a more practical reserve type. <laughs> you can be a little le- you can be a little bit less in awe of the wonder of the universe and our place in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, what does uh, a profound everyman make of Citizen Sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh. I, well, the name of my new YouTube channel, um, Profound, <laughs> the Profound Every, Every Man. Yeah. Welcome to my four-minute essay because I reject the three-hour three essay format. Um, yes, yeah, Citizen Sleeper, uh, which uh, yeah, Ren has a great review of. Uh, Kyle talked about earlier this year. Like just to summarize it, I guess up top um, is a game. I, I'd be curious, Ren, how how you if you agree with this interpretation of like what this character is. You awake mm-hmm. as a sleeper who is a Someone who has sold their body and, and consciousness to a corporation, they are then emulated. So it's not you as much as a, a, like a, a copy and pasted version of you. Sort of like this, what is it, like the Star Trek conundrum? I didn't watch Star Trek, but I always heard of the like, when you go through the transporter, do you go through the transporter or does, or like does another ver- simile get reproduced? Correct. Yeah. Like you've died. Yeah. And then a version of you is on the other side. If you love that, please go play Soma. Has one of those haunting endings related to that idea in the history of like all sides. Go play media. Soma. Watch shows. the Jacob Geller video essay that just that came out last month uh, about head transplants, which is fucking stellar. Um, sorry, as you were saying, Patrick. Yes. Look, I, I love that conceit, and so I, I guess I hadn't fully grokked that that was like the, the player character um, that that you have, and so you awake in which. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, you have found yourself probably because you you know didn't have any money. You, you know, your that your past is a little mysterious, and you wake on the ship, the eye, um, and your body is decaying because your body is owned by this corporation. It is artificially de- decaying, 
um, so that you can essentially try and uh, you need to try and scrap by on this ship as your <laughs> like emulated artificial body is dying and a whole bunch of other bad shit is happening all around you because the shit the the ship is pretty fucked up. Um, and the mechanics of it are that to accomplish your various tasks, like whether you want to um, like integrate yourself with one of the local sort of like town places, or you want to uh, like uh, work, like digging up scrap as you are rolling dice and those dice um, like the more, you know, the higher the dice, the higher the probability that it will be. uh, What is it? Is it, if so there's a, a, can there's you get, can you get a white one that is like four or five or is it is like as it higher it goes up the gold the gold the gold yellow layer yeah, always appears on the higher it, dice higher level dice a six is always nicer looking but the way the dice work is you can either have a negative outcome a neutral outcome or a positive outcome the likelihood of each is determined by your die level so a so like a, a six will give you one hundred percent shot at a positive outcome. Right. A five will give you a fifty percent shot at a neutral outcome, or a fifty percent shot at a positive wait, outcome. Wait, if I roll a five, I only get a fifty-fifty between good and like meh. Good and neutral. Um, yeah, so neutral meh. can mean so like a lot of the game, it, like the objectives that you're picking, the missions you're picking up along the way. Um, let's say, like for example, one of them is you're trying to pay off your debt to this character that you meet right off the bat, yeah. and. Uh, it's essentially like you're filling in a circle. And so let's say you use the six and uh, you're, you're, that means you're getting the, the hundred percent positive income uh, or outcome. And so you might have a good chance of like filling in two or three of those like six to eight slots that you need to fill yeah. in order for the objective to be completed. If you uh, use a, a one, which is a, uh, there is no chance of a positive outcome, but there is a 50% percent chance of a neutral and a 50 percent chance of a of a negative um if you get that neutral it doesn't mean nothing happens it just means that you may only fill in one tick if you get a negative outcome it doesn't necessarily mean that like your body is harmed but it could mean that you actually go plus one in a different category that you're not trying to fill towards uh an objective and so a lot of the game then becomes you are balancing the resources related to your body which is that you're 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 like cyborg or whatever the you know kind of like uh like humanoid self um that is decaying that that is that is ticking down over time that is related to how many dice you have so that's like how many rolls you have to progress the story and then uh you have your your hunger level and so you 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 can use dice rolls or you can use uh uh cryo cryo right is that what the currency is called yeah yeah it's crydo crydo um yeah crydo feed yourself um, and then, yeah, the amount of dice that you have determines, uh, like, your ability to move along these various objectives. Uh, I, I quite like this game. I found it pretty overwhelming at first. Um, I'm not really familiar with tabletop RPGs in general. I think your ability to sort of, like, take in everything this game is... There's a lot of tutorials in the first five minutes. There's, like, walls of text that I think make a lot of sense to people who are used to either playing a game that has similar sort of... Uh, layers of countdowns determining like how different actions are occurring um, using a lot of dice to determine actions. Um, I mostly play video games in which like that, the, like the, the dice rolls happen in the background related to the actions I am doing with my fingers. I am, I am less like, not less likely, but have played fewer games, both in tabletop and in game formats in which 
that is the the core component. And so the first like 20 minutes I found to be as a, I had a, a sensation of maybe it's not that this isn't for me, but I don't know if I'm going to get past the systems to start enjoying the game that's in front of me. But given how much I vibed on Norco, given like and how glowingly Ren spoke of Norco in relation to this game, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and push. I'm gonna try and get past like this part to see if I can get to just engaging with the story and less like obsessing over. Am I just like fucking stupid because I don't play these games and I don't know how the systems work? Um, and I did that. It took me about 20, 30 minutes. And once I did that, I mean, it's a it's a it's a lot. It's like once I have like five or six different things I'm investing <laughs> time in, meeting all these new characters. I had this moment right before we got on. I part of the reason I was yes. uh, late for a meeting uh, today was both an email I was writing, but also simultaneously I had. I don't want to spoil too much, and I don't know how much changes based on which character you pick at the beginning that has different character attributes, um, based like different points in certain um, systems that you can you know engage with uh, easier than than others. Um, but early on, there is sort of like you get the understanding that something is tracking you down. You don't know what it is. You don't know why they're tracking you down. But then I also simultaneously had an objective with a character that said, "Hey, you help me." I'll get that tracker off your back. And I was like, cool. Well, at a certain point, it became super clear that like those clocks were turning at the same time. And the game operates in what's called a cycle. So once you used all your dice up, there's basically nothing else to do unless you want to buy or sell parts and things like that. Um, you just have to advance the day, get new dice, and then see what you see what comes with May. And it was, I was like, that that tracker, whatever that is, whoever is tracking me is going to arrive at the same moment that I'm going to advance the objective that could remove the tracker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what is the game going to do? It ended up resolving itself not a bit anticlimactically because I was just moving one part of the story forward and like, it was fine. But what it revealed was an incredible source of tension over me watching yellow blocks move forward. <laughs> <laughs> and in a way that is not usually what I find satisfying in uh, a game, but the vibes, the writing, the way it presents the, like the dice rolls, like it all works together spectacularly well in a way that, um, again, I spent an extra 20 minutes this morning in which I had other things to do. Just being like, well, I got, I got to find out what the fuck happens here when those meters fill. Um, (laughs) late game citizen sleeper is all time. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say late game citizen sleeper is all that tension. So yeah, that's what, that's what I, I figured this was an early glimpse at just like, like I'm just, you know, a gasp at like all of the things I am juggling and not juggling and just seeing how they're all going to clash as the narrative reaches, you know, its conclusion. So for context, citizen sleeper is so good that we got code on, I think it was in like early April. It It was a full month in advance. I played it in one sitting. Uh, I beat all of Citizen Sleeper and got multiple endings in one sitting. Uh, that was literally eight hours long. Like I just like hyper. It, I have not done that with a video game in multiple years, where I just like locked on, hyper fixated, and finished it in an evening. Um, it's astounding the way it uses like the mechanical one, the mechanical rhythm. Like once you get into your a rhythm of like what your de- character's days look like, it feels so good to move through them. The other thing that Patrick um, didn't mention is the hacking system. 
uh, the mm-hmm. hacking system lets you use your lower value die for something that's still valuable. Um, so for example, most hacking nodes uh, require a specific die. So as opposed to the other ones where you're getting different outcomes, if you go to a hacking node, you have specific die that you are inputting because they request like a two, for example. It's usually lower numbers. And so it gives you something and to And it do. always hits. There's no yep. neutral. There's no negative. It's just like, look, whatever is inside this node You'll get it. You're gonna you're gonna get. Right. And so you can get you have something to do with those consistent ones and twos. It's just not as valuable as advancing a clock or interacting with certain other systems. But there there comes a point where like there is a tension where you're like, okay, cool. This entire side quest is built on hacking. And I rolled all high today, and I have one re-roll. Am I gonna use my am I gonna spend my high die? Uh, at first, and then leave a couple that I can try and re-roll into a one or a two, so I can get this extra hack in for the day to try and progress this plot thread before something happens. Um, and that feeling of before something happens permeates to like every one of the game's like narrative threads, of which there are, I probably encountered like eight or nine narrative thre- distinct narrative threads, um, each of which has like its own associated ending. Uh, and which interact with each other at various points. Um, so sometimes characters from one narrative thread will bump into others, and it's it's really really cool. Um, and I also don't even know like, uh, like I don't even know what my choices. Part of the thing that I'm finding really interesting about, and I'm so curious once I get deeper, is um, I'm sure I'm make I'm making choices, but like the the, the scale of which. Uh, the options that I have in the early game are pretty limited that you're kind of just spending based on the things that you mm-hmm. have in front of you. And yet I can, I still am making choices. I just am not sure how I'm impacting the end game yet. And that combined with the limited resources, the randomness, whereas like in most games, it's like, Hey, we want you to complete all these side quests. It's just a matter of how much time you want to invest. What I'm finding so delightful so far in citizen sleeper is like, no, uh, like actually, like you may have spent like a high level die goofing around with this one side quest, but now you've decided that you don't want it anymore, and now you've wasted that. You really wish you had that you know, that that dice back, and that's just gonna sit there and rot. And I like the fact that the game is slowly over time just creating such an imbalance over your resources that you you know you can still concentrate. Like I had like one sequence where I had three to get on finishing one like meter, and it's like. All right, I've sort of advanced as much as the hacking. I got the hacking thing was on its own separate timer. Like I'd completed the objective to that point. So yes, could I have gone and used a bunch of ones that I had left over? These three ones on extra nodes that will probably become useful later? Sure. Or could I (laughs) hope that each of these ones turns into a neutral and they will advance me to the end of, uh, (laughs) of this objective that would be useful for moving part of the plot along? And as it turns out, I got two of those to be a neutral and the other one was a negative and filled in a meter that was irrelevant to me. But then being one away, it was like, well, I'm going to sleep, waking up and using whatever the fuck I need to to get that last one to fill. Yeah. Hey, number four, get out here. We're we're moving this ship along. I think um, it's also important to note that part of the tension also comes from uh, uh, unless I like zoned out, I might have zoned out. But I feel like you didn't mention that you deteriorate after when you hit each cycle, right? Like yes. it's not just you get a new reroll, but like you're the condition of your body gets worse. And as it gets worse, you get fewer die also. Like you get, you have less energy essentially to get through your day. And so 
making sure that you're not just like, okay, I'm interested in what these stories are, but also I have to pull away and like find find the like um I forget the stabilizer, right? That yeah. that will like you know heal my body because it's be it's being uh, run through planned obsolescence by this corporation basically um right but if you and you, you want to get that going forward right. but you might have to spend your currency to do that but if i need this currency so that i can so i can pay to get an access pass so i can expand yep. the ship because if i expand the mm-hmm. ship maybe i'm going to find another you know because there are different ways to get yeah. food and stabilizer and like you, and there's money, always this right like there's different and money. jobs and <laughs> right, right. So you can spend a, you can spend dice to get money, but then you're spending dice that is not completing an objective. But you might need that money to get a stabilizer so you can complete the. You know what I mean? Like well, the, I mean, the, this the, is all, <laughs> yeah. The game is almost as explicitly as it can be about living with chronic illness under capitalism. Right. Like that is one hundred percent. Like the 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 core metaphor of Citizen Sleeper is what does it mean to be disabled under capitalism? And like the sleeper is actually, I think. A lot of transhumanist narratives look at um, transhumanism as an answer to disability uh, as opposed to a different lens through which it can be produced and a different lens through which, like, bodies can be um, controlled. Um, And so, like, the sleeper is, like, 100% a, like, literalization of the way it means to, like, exist under capitalism as, like, a disabled person, especially because, like... The sleeper as a social condition and as a so as a as a social position on the eye is really, really fascinating because it's worth noting that um, your sleeper escaped from the corporation. That is why you ended up on the eye. You escaped from the corporation, and that is why they are hunting you. You are not supposed to escape. And that's why there's only one sleeper on the eye right now, and it's you. You are the sleeper on the eye. The last one there was dead. He was murdered. Uh, And so the social position that sleepers exist in is basically as this othered class who is visibly uh, identifiable, a visibly identifiable othered class who has a particular need for certain resources Mm -hmm. uh, and has a very particular relationship to labor Um, and is is basically seen as a body in many ways built for labor that other people cannot do. And so looking at the way that which like capitalism produces disability and disability is a direct like only exists under capitalism if you are looking at um, ability to exist as tied to productivity. Uh, and so the sleeper deteriorating over time is just like such a effective and brilliant metaphor. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adore it. It also um, it also like does intersect a lot with uh you know, uh, immigration in my, in like the way that, uh, you know, so much hard manual labor in the States is shoved off onto, you know, uh, uh, South American immigrants and like that is breaking their bodies. Like people get worn out, they get hurt and can no longer provide or survive. And like, uh, it just really felt true to that. Like, the the like system grinding your body through manual labor uh but you still have to like you have you have to f- you figure out the ways that you can like uh adjust yourself in order to fit in to capitalist like mode of what it needs from you right in order to survive um it's it's got all 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 of those things right and which is really really like strong like 
uh, speaks to how strong the writing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think that part of the game's like brilliance as like a, as a text is it, and the thing that Patrick is getting at is the fact that like in spite of all of this, in spite of the grinding system, in spite of all of the tension of these dice, to, uh, of these die, and of these clocks ticking, you still find relationships with other characters. And the game's writing is is human and strong enough mm-hmm. that like you feel like you are finding meaning and finding connection in spite of all of these like bigger social systems at play. Um, and in that way, it's a Well, you also have a choice on like whether you want, like, I, I don't think the game necessarily premises that this person, the sleeper, even wants connection. Like, there's enough, there's enough... You 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 seek out the connection for survival, like that's sort of like the thrust of the. And I, I don't know. Oh, you mean the game later, would like support you being like a Sam Spade esque like? The, you yeah, can, you can, can constantly you can no, constantly yes, like could. the Telltale style like yeah. no response. Like p- there were people who who grant you pity. There were people who will grant will grant empathy to an extent, right? Like because they know that essentially associating with you um, is putting themselves in a certain amount of danger. But the game. Um, does open the possibility. There is enough possibility space in like the personal narrative of the player to be like, you know, again, I don't know. I, it is unclear to me because unlike a like a telltale, it is not telling me, haha, like that so, choice so you just picked, like, that. yeah, right, or like there, like there's a, uh, I don't know how far this is in the demo. I don't know, like there's a there's a moment where I encountered, and I'll be very vague, like. I was told, do you want to grab a weapon? And I didn't. I, cho- I chose not to. I don't know how the game goes differently if mm-hmm. I if I do or I don't. But the game also, it, it, you know, it, go- it goes as far as that, where the player can be very proactive in their choices. And they can also almost always has the opportunity for you to say nothing, to, like, not engage with dialogue. And, like, that gives you, like, a spectrum of how you want this character to interact with the world around them beyond just, like, what you're doing Right. to survive. And I think that is like again part of the game's strength of its approach to transhumanism is also that it it allows for both notion it, it allows you to very explicitly define your character's sense of self not even through totally human terms, right? Like this is a game about formulating an identity, right? It is because like Patrick was mentioning you are a version of someone else's consciousness. You are copied and pasted and you are you are sold basically. The the ver- your original consciousness sold you, um, sold a copy of themselves, and now you have to live with that weight. Um, and part of the game's narrative thrust is the character trying to learn how to live with that weight and living with the weight of having another person's memories inside of them, of being uh, of being versioned and sold, and like what a good life looks like, and like it has answers that are not recognizably human. That are not recognizably like, oh yeah, I'm just like a cool person. I'm a cool space person. There are options at the end of this game, or not even at the end, at various points in this narrative, where you can be something else. And that is an option that like, it makes cases on both ends. Although I do think that the the game's narrative uh, and the game's prose styling definitely favors a deeply human approach to connection and to like living in spite of systems. I think it's fucking excellent. Okay. I kind of want to spot. Do we ever find out what the people who sold their consciousnesses are out there doing? Do we ever like get a sense of like chances are oh, like probably- the OGs? Like yeah. what you're nah, not really. Be- but you because yeah it's you get the sense- thought of like you get the sense in this world that life. Yeah like 
it feels like it's a uh a desperate move right like mm. because even if you put it try to put it out of your mind the most like what you are doing is giving a version of yourself to this corporation and even though it's not quote unquote you it's a copy like that's that's still has the you memory of knowingly person. created a parallel universe where like you're enslaved to this corporation. Right. Yeah. And so that yeah. to me, that reads as like whoever the originals were also in a dire situation and did this possibly out of a need to survive out of a need of that money, most likely. Right. Like just, uh, and that's kind of the thing that they hint at, but I don't know, like I didn't get far enough. Like I didn't actually finish a full run through yet. Just cause the demo didn't go that far and I haven't, uh, I have my 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 demo thing broke. Uh, my demo save broke, which was uh, my mistake. I shouldn't have loaded the demo. The demo save. It, how far is the is the demo like cycle locked or the, like narrative locked? Narrative locked. Well, it's physically locked insofar as there is a area like a physical area that you have to unlock. Mm. Like you know, like there's parts of the eye that you can't get to. Yep. It like right, locks right, right. one of the early. There's ones. about it's about six areas. It's about like I believe a total of five. Yeah, five. Yeah, five distinct yeah, areas. I believe the basically was like the first two kind of. Areas. Was it? Um, it was up the, to the the big up tower. to the low end. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, the yeah, low yeah, end. yeah. Yeah, the low end is also so good. God's yeah. writing is so stellar. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's not really a spoiler. I think that the game is explicitly not interested in that person. Right. And 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 part of its strength is looking at what comes after and the person who has to build an identity in spite of what was done to them and how they were made. Um, and so I think for that reason, it kind of yeah. does leave behind. You get glimpses of that person in the same way that like you sometimes remember a story from your childhood, right? right. Where it's like, it, it, but it's even at a further remove because those those memories are mixed with this this the process of your life and the fact that like you did not live that mm-hmm. um your new memories are much more vivid and also use different senses one of the cool things one of the cool notes about the sleepers as bodies is that sleepers are synthetic bodies made from hu- made for human consciousnesses so they have to have some approximation of human senses because the human consciousness right will become uncomfortable if it doesn't have access to things like taste or smell or recognizably human senses. Oh, right? but they call it, but the, but the game is very clear that you're getting a mediated like yes. facsimile of sensation, yeah. not just yes. like it is a perfect, uh, like you are not a perfect clone living in a clone body. It is okay. That's fast. You are a machine. You right. are a machine. And your body reels against that sometimes. And that's like, that is the the system of planned obsolescence or planned decay is your body rejects your consciousness. Your consciousness rejects your body like a transplanted organ. That is what stabilizer is. Stabilizer is, is basically the game's equivalent of the medication that people take now to stop their body from rejecting organ transplants. It is to stop your brain, your consciousness from rejecting this body that you have and losing your connection to it, which is why um, as your condition fades, you start getting more dreamlike sequences and you Mm. also start connecting to threads more. And threads is this game's like basically like Wi-Fi because you are an emulated consciousness. So you can connect and engage with technology in a way that other people can't. Um, 
and you exist in this like it like liminal space uh and that gets worse and, and not worse but more intense as your condition fades as you slip away from your connection to your body um it's can you really, um, really cool Maybe I don't even want to know the answer to this because part of like the tension. I, is yeah, I am actually wondering if you're playing this, like if we should not like be tying this off and revisit. Yeah. I, well, I'll just. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know. I want to know the answer. <laughs> I don't know what a mechanical question I have that I don't. I don't know if I want to know. I think I know the answer. I think I know the question, Patrick. I okay. don't know. If you can die. No, I no. I don't know what happens. Okay. Okay, mm. that's good. That's better. That's better than you telling me a yes or no. Because so much of the tension of this game, th- that this actually sets. We should at least hit this one more point, Rob. I know that you want to. Yeah, yeah, no, I you're right. The, coming you're back right. to this is that um, the game doesn't communicate what or if there is a fail state, or as as Ren points out, given that a lot of this game is about a sort of like version of humanity or consciousness that we can't really comprehend as humans like what even would it what would the end state, is when we, we would call an end state is that an end state like what is it it's such a different state and so you know the game is constantly propelling you forward uh, under the being actively worried am i moving these meters forward am i accommodate by as i move these meters forward am i am i am i how much ground am i losing on these meters that are going backwards and you're trying to keep all of those somewhere in the middle so you can keep quote unquote progressing. And so the game doesn't have a say, you can't save. There are no save states. The, the game is just auto saving, you know, every 30 seconds or so. Um, I appreciate a game. Wish more games did this. When you hit the escape button, just to like go to the bare bones options menu, it tells you how many seconds ago it saved, which is just <laughs> useful functionally. I just like when games do that, um, especially when they have, automated saving um but it's all to say this is not a game in which you can be super precious about what's happening you just have to kind of keep going and so it doesn't seem to me like the type of game that would have the like oh hey like we're a narrative based game yes you're trying to quote avoid dying because that's the stakes we've set up but i assume it has like some you know i mean like it accommodates for that somehow but naturally as players and also, as a per, you know, natural survival instinct as a character, you don't want to hit that state. You're not. So, you look at these meters go fucking down. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm getting weak. I don't. But I don't know. So I'm glad that actually you don't have an answer because you didn't run into it because that was the question I was not sure if I wanted the answer to. Because if it was as simple as, well, the game's just over and you start another run, that seems too simple. This game seems too smart for that. And in some ways, that almost makes me all the more curious to know. Not on my run, but like yeah. on another run, what happens if I just, I don't know, my character chooses like, I don't want this. Like, this isn't worth it. Um, what happens if I just give in? Um, I'm so curious what what the answer the game has for that. Yeah. And um, I've thought about I thought about doing another playthrough, but I'm not sure. It is one of those games where you finish it and you're like, ah, damn, I think that was my playthrough. For I me, agree. That I, is, I cannot imagine playing this a second time, except to ask people how their experiences went. Like that's <laughs> that's how I would that's how I want to experience other runs in this game. Is like, oh, what did you do? What did you What did you see? Not. It feels very much like a game that has a canonical run, and then that's it. I can't stop thinking about a certain set of decisions that I made. Just three decisions in a row, and I and I and I think about them constantly. 
and like I don't want to go back and change them because the the fact that my, that my character has to think about that decision and those decisions every fucking day from that point forward is I think a really excellent like way of I don't I just, I just think it's a it's a really good narrative arc. The game is great at building excellent narrative arcs that feel resonant and that like your specific character and the choices you make will likely come to something that feels cohesive in a way that I that I love, uh, including the mistakes. Um, my character fucked up, and I think she thinks about that every single day. Uh, and that is so reflected in every moment going forward. I love it. All right, so that is Citizen Sleeper. Uh, that is today's check-in on Citizen Sleeper. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it a bit more uh, as Patrick plays more and almost certainly by the end of the year. Uh, Ren, if now we we don't live in this world, we have to choose, but if we were putting games in cage fights, like Mm -hmm. I, like I only have time, you know, limited time, limited resources, limited attention. Norco citizen sleeper, which, uh, not a which gets question. to walk out. This is not a fair Sorry, question to ask. It's a very rude question. An extremely <laughs> rude question, and one that I actually think I have a very good cop out for. Oh, I hate cop outs, but okay, Let's I want to hear this good cop out. Cop out. I do have a cop out. I do have a cop out. Both are available on Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> I don't think money have we is, is your question that is that money is the object for Rob? Is money the object for you, Rob? I'm trying I'm trying to get out of having to answer this question. I mean like the, the honest answer to this question is that like I I think you could play an hour of each and very quickly un, like each establishes a vibe so fast. And both are excellent. I think I think I'm yeah. gonna end up playing both. They're I think they're both great. Short. They're both short. That's the other thing. They're seven and six hours, respective. Like, Norco's like five or six hours, and Citizen Sleeper's like seven or eight. It's like a season of Halo. We can't. We can't. That show's so fucking bad. That show's so fucking bad. Is it? I I actually, I don't... mm, It is a bad show. I am not excited to watch tonight's episode. Doesn't it also ask those questions about bodies and consciousness? No, it does it so bad. It does it. It asks those questions. It is like, Halo... Okay, Citizen Sleeper is like taking a fucking master's course on transhumanism, and Halo is like asking a kid what you thought it would be like if robots were real. I fucking... <laughs> oh my god! I fucking hate that. Oh, it's so shit. fucking bad. Why Cortana look like that? Yo, why does she why look does she like look, that? Why does she look like that though. Why does she look like that? They have a different model. They have the Cortana mod. If they went to three four three Industries and said, "Can we have the Cortana model, please?" and they would be like. Here is the Cortana model. They show Master Cheeks fucking che- Master, Master Cheeks, Cheeks every fucking yeah. episode. Master, I mean, they do Master, Master Cheeks 24-7. Well, actually, there are mul- multiple. Oh you get, you see multiple asses in the show. Yeah. It's yeah. Not even, not well, even. That's, that's, that's the whole squad. The They're all Master Cheeks. They're all Master Cheeks. It's just, it's it's a fucking... Caked up. I, I, would be, I would be happy to derail on a Halo show and how I fucking... Episode we're gonna do no so Stop, bad. stop, it stop. stop. So we're, good. We're, doing, mm-hmm. we're doing this when the season's over. We're doing this when the season's over. All season, <laughs> you just play Norco. Wow, Patrick has, wow. A, has a selection. I do. Yeah. I do. See? I really, I, I really love Citizen Sleeper as well. I just, like, that game... Mm. 
Citizen first three fours mm. doesn't matter about the last fourth. First three fourths. Mm. See, Patrick Patrick as that profound everyman, he doesn't have that divide, that internal divide between like intention and action, like decisiveness. He experiences a sensation and just acts on it. Wow, well, I would One love to not is... have severe executive dysfunction. That would be st- <laughs> Patrick's like one of these vibes with me, and and here it, it is. Does, yes. It is Norco. Mm-hmm. Nor- Norco was was it was Both it. Of them I think this is. I think this will also be problem. I'm going to have quite liking this as well. I that that is for sure. But yeah, if you had if I if you were asking me to choose at this earlier juncture, ah, oh, the visuals in that game again and again. Stand by the fact that this is a banner year for narrative. I, I was I got a lot of I got a yeah, lot people, of people people started out 2022 being like wow gonna be a shit year for narrative and like Ryan was just out here on this corner being like no 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 no, no, no. no. contraire no. banner contraire. year banner yeah. year listen the fact that Norco and Citizen Sleeper came out within a month of each other is we're so fucking spoiled so you're spoiled and it's it's only May it's only May. I feel now I feel like maybe you're tempting though, like that, like this is with smash cut to the drought, smash cut to the, we're kind of in the drought, like part of like we we are in the drought. Citizen sleeper would be excellent regardless, but actually citizen sleeper is benefiting from the drought where we're like Norco came out. Six months from now, we're going to be like, they made a mobile game of the Tate, the halo TV series. And well, it's amazing. We all have to play it. I'm going. To also, bed. Rod, is what you know. As as we, uh, yes, it's May. Sacrifice comes out next month, next week. Oh hell yeah! Sorry. Yeah, there's a code for that if you want to check it out. Oh, I would love um, the code for that. I wish I liked that first one more than I wanted to like it more than I did. But um, Rob, you know, uh, Rob, uh, you know, Q2 Steam Deck, April, Ching gone, May June. Those are the remaining two months. Like we're. Moving along, and you know what are excellent games on the Steam Deck? Norco and yeah. Sleeper. Yeah, I would. Yeah, now that you, you know what are like that. excellent ways to play both of those uh, games, which is how I've experienced both of them. Sitting your ass on a couch, watching well, you, the NBA playoffs will be over. Maybe the finals will be on, but like watch having a baseball or uh, a basketball game on, and like also playing this. Huh. Few a few things better. Just be curled up in bed, listen to that fan roar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, people have gone some down some weird rabbit holes to try and fix that stuff. Saw someone break their Steam Deck trying to replace the fan. Don't do that. Who would but break? Hopefully, I get that break email. Break hardware couldn't be me. Who could? Br- no. Break no. expensive hardware. Our Rob Zach. No. No. <laughs> oh, I want to. I've been meaning to answer this. This was came up before. Mm. Not. I mentioned the Steam Deck. Uh, when we talked about it the last time around, um, that it came up. Um, I was mentioning I played Elden Ring on it. And that I was using like a MacBook, like a big ass MacBook charger, because it had the longest cable mm-hmm. to charge. It was not able to keep up while playing Elden Ring. And then Kato pointed out that like, oh well, maybe like the actual little you know plug and puck for the the deck will actually, despite being smaller, will actually output you know more voltage or whatever, and it'll keep up. And I I'm here to say that is true. Um, like <laughs> the one that comes with the Steam Deck is. Holy shit. Um, that thing ch- charges the, the deck extremely fast um, and was able to not just maintain the deck while playing Elden Ring, but like charge the battery uh, more fully as I was playing. So um, nice. I guess I just sort of assume like most of those things are kind of 
created roughly not equal, but that like it'll be fine. Like, um, and at least in this case, I, I doubt it's doing anything special other than just being a really nice one. Um, that outputs a lot of power, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like output. You amounts. use the one like if, if you get a Steam Deck, probably when you get your Steam Deck, use the one like <laughs> use the one it came with because that is it's. I, now I just I, I assume that it's kind of I guess you can answer this for me like. The important part is the puck, not the cable, right? So I could just use a longer yeah. USB if you have a C cable, like okay? Because that's my right? problem yeah. now is that the cable it comes with is like does not reach my couch. The puck is the, the I, like, part that over. like the, regulates okay. how much power it's outputting, and then the okay. cable is just transporting that power. So as long as All it's, right, I need to buy a yeah. <laughs> longer cable, and then I'll be set. Don't get All one right. too thin though, because sometimes they do change. If you get like a really really cheap one, that's like it feels thinner. Like it actually mm. is made for lower gauge voltages. matters. Yeah, it can. It can matter. Actually, electronics are fucking. They look like they can just fucking plug into anything, but they. You know, <laughs> sometimes they do. Sometimes it looks like this. This jack will go in this socket, and it's fine, and it'll be fine. And then and sometimes it melts. And then Renata <laughs> says, "This is really hot. <laughs> this port is really hot. <laughs> this is melting." <laughs> I, and when I, I was, oh, go ahead. I mean, that's these <laughs> are all the mystery. These are the mysteries of electronics. It's yeah. like surely yeah. nobody would make a thing that fits this jack that like doesn't. Nobody, nobody would be like so reckless, right? As to be like require an extra fucking no one would be so reckless as to transmit power over a 3.5 millimeter jack god bless you should god bless the idea of transferring power over a 3.5 millimeter jack is heinous it's such a bad so many things do it it happens all the time (laughs) they shouldn't Uh, i think what we've learned here is that we have to read technical specifications very closely electronics and one of the early times that kato like recoiled in horror at me was when i told him when i was younger um like younger younger like you know like the the the, the power plugs you're putting into the back of like your ps2s like when we made the transition right. to the bigger bigger thicker ones right um like i i would just have a bunch of these cables and like sometimes i wouldn't have the one that like fits directly in and i would just go get a knife and i would just shave the plastic down until it he's doing it again that's the noise he made last time i would just shave it down reason those are made to not fit each other i didn't have another cable cat when i couldn't drive a car so what was like what was my option like i'm at my grandma's house like this is the cable i brought so i would take like 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 a butter knife <gasps> and just like scratch at the the plastic till it it whittled down. Do you just like in, when when you pl- go to plug something into the wall and it doesn't fit and you're supposed to turn it around because one side of the prongs is slightly bigger because mm-hmm. of specific reasons? Do you just fucking jam it in there? <laughs> no, but when I had it was like if I'm gonna play That's twisted metal, basically the same thing. Kind of turned on. <laughs> I'm surprised Did it deteriorate the life of the device. Probably, yeah. But- but infinite like I, I was getting another machine two years later. I'm good. Uh, well, we've all learned a lot this week. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, I'm playing a little something too. Hey, this isn't the only banner year for narrative games. Let That's me true. just tell you. Uh, maybe last year had some banner year <laughs> style games that we can uh, we we can chat about. Uh, you'll hear about it after the break. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, yes, you know how dedicated I am to staying abreast of current games events uh-huh. uh i very cleverly decided to start playing uh because i had a feeling you know rumblings in the industry something afoot acquisitions web three web three changing <laughs> the game uh i had a feeling that you know this might be a pretty good time nay even an important one to try out guardians of the galaxy so I fired that back up, uh, playing on Xbox this time uh, oh because I didn't like like f- this was a huge mistake. By the way, playing on an Xbox was a bad decision. Should have huh. stuck to PC. Um, put on ray tracing mode in Xbox. That generated that has generated so much chaos. Yeah, uh, like the performance on my Series X is not great, and on PC it was like rock solid. So that was. That was a mistake. Even though it's on Game Pass, if you have the choice between playing it there or on PC, um, well, you just play, probably... you have to play in performance mode, which is what what I what I did. Like the that, I wish every studio was as good as balancing between the like performance quality, the high end modes as like an Insomniac is. But unfortunately, yeah. like yeah, that's it's it looks nice. I'm, I think I played it on PS5, but it was the same issue. Where it's like, well, I guess I'll just get used to the slightly lower res performance mode and not have any of the. The fancy lighting. It looks. The problem is, it looks so much worse without all the fancy <laughs> lighting. Uh, that is that is the one bummer there. Um, but yeah, so I've I've been I, I restarted the campaign. Uh, I've been playing Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, you know, it's a delight. Like we talked about this last year. It's uh, so good. But it is like especially this week. It's been exactly what was required uh, in terms of. Well, obviously, horrible week in terms of like world news, politics. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the fact that we discovered that, to no one's shock, uh, the like the Federalist Society uh, shit heel judges on the Supreme Court are like repealing Roe. It's been I a can't scary... believe someone would lie to Susan Collins, Rob. Like, why would someone do that? Just a nice just, old lady. Why would somebody somebody would just Susan lie to a chief? lifetime power with no accountability so i'm just like somebody fib you can just do that, do that? we'll do Incredible. nothing about it Ugh. uh and yeah so i mean that that did prompt like a lot like it has been it has been a it's been a week where it's been like genuinely very hard to like look at the news that can just furious yeah. um and it's been a week where it's been i think one of the other things that always strikes me at moments like i didn't mean to get onto Roe v. Wade. Like this is part. This is the part of the weird, fucked up context for like why this game was like cold drink of water on a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, it does feel like oftentimes as well. It is hard even to 
process these things uh, even among people you broadly agree with because like there are so many shadings to this and there's so many different people who deserve various portions of blame that like it's very hard to like look at online discourse and not for every couple things you see that like you know strike a chord with you or something not see like 10 that you're like shut the fuck up like that's you know what i mean like it, it, there's mm-hmm. there's it's not just like the bad takes but it's also like the fact that there are so many folks who will be trotting out really familiar i told you so bromides at moments like this yeah but when, like, when i when you start seeing more um uh Gotta blame it on the Bernie Bros. It's like, all right, wow, wow, we're really, really bringing out the hits right now. Um, that's that's what we're doing. Okay. We told you, we uh, told you, yeah. But then, but then at that point, it, it, uh, when you're trying to figure out how to distract yourself, it is actually one of these that unique to video games is the fact that they are so wholly distracting relative to even just like watching like a basketball game or a movie. It's so easy to just flip on your phone like you'll still you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna escape from the doom scrolling but what i mean by that is like i'm gonna catch up on before that new doc doc strange movie by putting on the old one and i'm gonna doom scroll while, while the doc <laughs> strange movie plays in the background whereas you put on something like guardians of the galaxy not only are you transported to a wonderful place full of fully fleshed out characters that are fleshed out even better than they are in the films themselves <laughs> but you also with with your hands you're distracted from yeah, the you doom can't scrolling. you can't do that. You can't be like, what's this person's fucking profile? And it's <laughs> like still saying? with her Ukraine flag. And it's like, yeah, I thought so. I fucking thought BLM, so. BLM, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um and so yeah, and it's and like and to be clear, like it's also been like, you know, uh when when this news hit, also like MK started watching me play the game a lot because this news hit like any person with concerns around reproductive health uh, is going to have concerns around this because there's so much beyond abortion that is at stake when you're talking about abortion. There's things that like we're talking about medical procedures that are like just being like blanket attacked that in many cases like are crucial tools for like, uh, you know, pregnant people's health, um, you know, crucial ways of handling uh, like miscarriages and so all of that in the background of like wow this this right is more tenuous than we thought and you know in coming years there's places you could go in this in this country that like you will not be safe if you have issues uh, you know the, these kinds of health issues crop up uh, because of the laws that have been passed and because of like the vindictiveness of the people who passed them uh, it's incredibly scary. And so we we both kind of needed that kind of like all consuming, um, you know, distraction and just break from the news. Now, I might have I might have overcooked it a bit. Um, I also did discover on Sunday that it is, there is a possibility that I have too much theater. <laughs> I have too much home theater. Yeah. Oh, huh. I felt I toward the end of like a good four or five hour uh, stint. In uh, like the the first like the intro and then all the stuff with, like Lady Hellbender and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the escape from that planet. By the end of that, I was like, I feel a little bit like I just got the shit knocked out of me. Like I just feel completely like wiped out. And it occurred to me that like, you know, 
what was the last time it wasn't focused on the screen like four feet away? It's been hours. How high was the volume? Pretty high, but once the noise has stopped, I was like, oh, that's a really like profound sense of relief I'm getting from <laughs> from lack of noise. And so it it did sort of occur to me that like, you know, immersion. Sometimes you can be too immersed. Uh sometimes you can <laughs> sometimes sometimes one person's sense of immersion. Mm-hmm. Is another person's and another person here being like you just in two hours uh, is another person's sensory assault. Uh, and that is kind of what I unleashed on myself with Guardians of the Galaxy. That said, what a fucking game. Like yeah. the the one but the, the, the knock against it. I think it's, it's fair. Like every time it's like time to do video game stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can take it or leave it. I don't know. It's like. I, even there, I like the way the combat cues up cool Guardians of the Galaxy moments. Like, I like the banter. I like... I like it on paper, right? Like, if you're explaining to someone how the combat works, it sounds more interesting than it does in practice of actually doing it, in which you are controlling Star-Lord as sort of, like, the captain, uh, which is true both narratively and from, a like, a gameplay sense, and then you are just queuing up different attacks from the rest of the crew and they're executing them and they, they can combine in different ways, depending on the timing that you're doing, depending on uh, how you stagger that cue. The, the problem is at least on the normal difficulty, like it just kind of doesn't matter. Like you could just sort of, the game tries to push back on you in that by uh, having enemies that are color coded. And so like they need to be attacked in a certain order in order to like get their defenses down so that you can, you know, ultimately yeah. finish them off. And I I like that. That was some of my favorite stuff where it actually forced me to engage on a deeper level of like, what is the order that I'm doing things? But it's, you know, it's telling, I mean, it's not a short game. It's like 15, you know, 17 hours long. It's not also too long. It is a really good length, tells a really thoughtful, well, you know, really good story uh, from, from front to back. But by even by the end of it, like I couldn't by muscle memory remember like which moves were where or what situation I should use them in. I yeah. was just sort of hitting them. Um, and that's a bad sign for like one of the if there are three core pieces to the Guardians of the Galaxy. There is the exploration and story. There is the platforming. And then there is the combat. Like if one of those is largely forgettable after the first 90 minutes, like that's that's a bad sign. <laughs> But the other stuff is so good, yes, that it sort of doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't well, even, matter. And even there, I'm like, there have been moments I wonder would it be better if it was actually cranked the difficulty so that mm-hmm. it wasn't so beside the point which exact yeah. attack I'm queuing up. If I really did need, like, because right now I'm very much in the mode of like, yes, all the attacks do different things, but fundamentally, like, I'm just gonna hit all these dudes with like a bunch of AOE attacks from the other guardians. Uh, and then a bunch of them are going to melt in that, and then I'll shoot whoever comes out of it and use my powers and rinse and repeat. And I do kind of wonder, like, would it be interesting if it were there were enough pushback here where it's like, no, you really do need to be sort of like raid boss for Guardians of the Galaxy, where, like, the lockdown stuns that you're putting on people, uh, you know, the burst, the stagger, like, all these things have to be manipulated a lot more carefully, to get through the fights, I could see that being more interesting, but also given how spongy the enemies already feel, I'm not and sure. And the combat like, goes on for a long time, right? It's not. It's not as though you are. It outruns the songs. 
uh, frequently where you're like, huddle up, huddle up. Uh, And that moment's always cool when it's like, now it's time to kick some ass and like cool music starts to play and like everyone's hitting. Time to finish this combat sequence. And then it's then then you haven't. And we've gone into cooldown mode and it doesn't feel as stylish anymore. There's three more enemies I got to take out. Why can't I beat this one brute a little bit faster? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I dig stuff like that, but the the banter between these characters is so good, even if it is frustrating that I keep accidentally cutting it off because, like, yeah, there's, there's so, so much, much dialogue packed in that you'll just keep hitting the tripwires to stop the conversation and yeah. like, move on to the next thing. Uh, but it is... It's so good, and it's also just so much more... I like these takes on the characters so much more than like what not only what they did with those movies, uh, specifically the Guardians ones, but just like mm-hmm. in general, so much of the Marvel verse. Uh, this feels well, they're like gi- they're given they're given they're given real space to be. I, I think there's a world where, you know, go. I, I don't know if you watch Peacemaker, like the James Gunn's like TV show. It's fucking it's it's really really good and if anything only proves your point which is i don't know if the problem is necessarily guns takes on those characters as much as a constraint of the format i do have some quibbles with like guns takes on the characters and i actually think there are superior takes i specifically like quill so much more oh, yeah. here and it's not it's nothing to do with like either here nor there and what you feel about pratt or his, his performance it's more that in in the, the mcu he is portrayed as just like a bumbling dumbass and uh Maybe he's got a good heart, but, like, he's still, at the end of the day, like, kind of a dumbass and not really a natural team leader. And here, like, he's not a natural team leader, but he's got a big heart. He admits his mistakes. Like, he's just a more interesting, flawed character. And they're all that way. Drax gets a – we haven't even gotten to that stuff. Drax has, like, the best. Like, Gunn Gun throws out – or not throws out. By necessity of the MCU and how they used Thanos as a character, yes. they could not use Drax, who is essentially – Quill becomes the heart of the 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 Guardians as a as a unit in the movies because the way the movies were using Thanos meant that you couldn't explore thoughtfully that arc and what that character essentially the core of that character is turns him into a a, a piece of a flabby piece of comedy a very yeah. good flabby piece of comedy but that's about it and this the game so much more thoughtfully maybe because it's disconnected from the mm-hmm. MCU maybe because it gets to be a lot longer more like a television show it just gets to let these characters breathe and gives them all really, really good emotional beats and just time to speak. Like they just never stop talking, but I also never wanted them to stop talking. Like I was just as yes. frustrated as you. Then when I hit the trip wires, you know, even as I was trying to, I was trying not to like, Oh, I'm going to wait in the spot for a little bit. I am this has got to be wrapping so up. And then I would walk forward and then I would still hit the trip wire. Yeah. Um, and there, yeah, no, the stuff about Drax, like the fact that, here we get into the fact that like Thanos was this like active threat for ages that people were trying to figure out how to deal with. And like that Drax is this person who went on this like, um, Kratos, like just unleashed, uh, manhunt trying to get to Thanos, but like along the way does not like is unstoppable and does not care who gets hurt, uh, between him and that, like the Drax is someone who was like turned into a monster in this world. And like, then went to Supermax for a decade and is like trying to like start over uh, because he did monstrous things while trying to hunt a greater monster. And that comes through. 
Um, yeah. That's part of the story uh, that is baked into that character. Um, I don't. I think who like the the take on Rocket is doing great work. Like basically, it feels the most like just picking up from where uh, Bradley Cooper uh, like left the character. Hey, Rocket's part of the character gets gets like the least amount of character development in in in, in the game. Like the, he's mostly right. there to be comedic comedic banter as opposed to well but you know but nebula also, and gamora they all kind of get their own little moments at one point or another but i also say so much of the tension is also that like he's quill's business partner more than any other character yeah. uh right. that's what comes through is like because they've been running together for a while which is another thing that the guardians movies can't do because they all have to introduce them and have them meet and team up all at once here i do love like in the background here is um it kind of reminds me of, like one of my favorite things in uncharted 2 where the tension that breaks out between Chloe and Drake and it lends like it leads to like one of the best scenes in that entire series is when he's trying to he's kind of asking her how could you betray betray him? how would she betray him like you know didn't uh you know didn't he trust didn't she trust uh Drake to to have uh her back and her response is, how could you have my back when you're too busy having everyone else's? That this whole thing, like, that him caring for Elena and other people is, like, kind of breaking a deal that they had, right? Which is that, like, we are partners in crime. We, like, it's us against the world. And Rocket is dealing with some of that, too, where it's, like, it's, the company has changed. They are now part of a different gang. And Rocket has this frustration of, like, Quill valuing other things. Um, and that's sort of being a, a tension that is running in the background there that I find really, really affecting. Like Rocket's a really sad character and that comes yeah. through in this game. And he's uh, angry and like, isn't, isn't, in, it isn't, uh, and it's not just anger over like in the movies. It's more about what was done to him yeah. and, and, you know, his, his like, you know, past as sort of like a genetic modification. Whereas in the, the game, it's more about his relationship with Quill. He's angry because he thinks Quill is like an idiot. Um, yeah. uh, and, and not making, and not just, and not in a buffoonery sort of sense, but like, you're not making the right choices for me or for the group. And there's actually a, one of the best beats in the game, like is where that hits sort of a, a breaking point. Um, and like some of the characters are scattered for, for a little bit that I thought is, was, was really, was really well done. Yeah. So I'm uh like, Right now, I've just gotten to, I've gotten to a point in the game where you return to uh, the uh, Nova Corps ship, where you initially like were launched mm-hmm. on the main adventure of the game. And you discover like all hell's broken loose there, but the people you're looking for are gone, uh, and you get sort of abducted by these cultists at the end. That's kind of where I've left things for now. Um, but having so much, more, so much more good stuff to come. Yeah, like, it's just it, it, you know they don't they don't make games like that. All that often, no. and when you play one, it's even more tragic that you know, especially given what just happened this week with the Embracer Group. That ve- it seems very unlikely that that specific t- there'll be another Guardians something or other, but like it seems I-, I wouldn't be betting on like Marvel signing the Embracer Group to do a sequel to this game. I, I would love to be proven wrong because I think. When you hit to the credits on this, like the, the first thing you're gonna think is like, "God damn!" Like I would love to see this team get a second crack at it. Um, I mean, that's so. This is the thing is that like while I'm playing this, it is kind of like this is one of the studios that like, man, if like if Square ever can really 
put it together and figure out what to do with the with that. <laughs> Understand gang. what they uh, want from the Western incredible. Studios. Yeah. Uh, and instead, of course, this week they sell them all off for what seems like a pittance. Like I, this is the other thing. I don't understand how you look at the acquisition prices that we've seen in the last couple of years at a time when money is cheap. Uh, I do not understand how you only get what was three hundred million. Yes, for, for those studios. For not just the so importantly, it's not just the studios. Um, so yes, Embracer bought for three hundred million. Crystal Dynamics who is also co-developing or mostly developing the Perfect Dark reboot, depending on who you talk to. Um, Eidos Montreal uh, and Square Enix uh, Montreal, um, but not the UK Square Collective. But anyway, importantly, they also got a a slew of IP. It is not as though... uh, Embracer is only acquiring studios, which you could you 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 may not blame them for. Look at some of the the problems that Microsoft has had, even the last couple of years, has been like Perfect Dark. It's like if you just throw a bunch of money at people and tell them to make a studio because they worked at a studio before, that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to build a studio and pump out like a AAA action game in three to four years. Um, right. So actually, having a studio structure is a valuable resource because it means there's a culture and a you know, they've, they've gotten things done before. But um, Embracer also got Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, and Legacy of Kane. Um, Square kept Life is Strange, Just Cause, and Outriders. <laughs> um, that game that everyone liked for about 30, 30 days when there wasn't much else to play uh, a year or so ago. Um, and yeah, all that for $300 million. Um I don't know, especially given the numbers for Bungie. Bungie was a couple billion, right? It's like, no. it's such a bad number that, like, <laughs> you would be like, okay, what conflict of interest was not identified here before this deal right. went through? Like, this is such a below market sale. And how did Embracer end up with it, right? Like, this, right. this, this, this investment collective that has been just been hoovering up. Well, so. That, IP for the better part of fat, which is not necessarily a a plus or a minus. It's just there's sort of an unproven entity that is doing what you mentioned, which is that cash is cheap right now. Like it is very easy. The reason all these acquisitions are occurring is because it is like it's it's a good time to to be doing something like that. And um, so that's when Bracer comes out of is like, well, we'll just pitch to our investors. We're just going to we're just going to hoard a bunch of studios and IP and we'll figure out the rest later you know a studio like uh idos montreal okay maybe the next tomb raider game or crystal dynamics next tomb raider is not for a couple of years but like we also get the entire tomb raider catalog uh that comes along with it so like that's going to make us some num some millions in the meantime while we wait for them to actually produce a new game i mean i would i would hope somehow in the end that marvel understands that like that Marvel does find a way to get a this like some of their properties in the hands of the studio. Cause like, I think yeah. in terms of what the formula that made the MCU so appealing, I think this is the closest I've seen to it seeing being fully translated into a game like ever, which is funny because the trailers made this game seem like a, a like a, a shitty knockoff. Like yes. I watch it. I remember us sitting around watching the, you know, roughly a year ago, watching like the Square Enix presentation, be, and like well, they showed such an unappetite. They showed the most boring part of the game too. They showed 
And I'm the, I'm the one that should be like, look, I'm just going to eat. Like, I really like the MCU and, you know, despite all of its like, you know, commercial uh, like uh, uh, issues or marketplace issues, like it should, this should be for me. I shouldn't have to be going out on a limb for it. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know about this one guys. Um, and so they just like the marketing on it was just atrocious. Um, they just not have a handle on what they, what they had. No, that's and that sort of seems to be their handling of these studios and this studio in particular. Yeah. It's just like lack of faith in the product they're making, um, like lackluster, lackluster marketing effort that also seems like the marketing team had no conviction about like what they were actually selling, um, which is disappointing. But it's like it it just seems like uh, there was very little support for either the vision or the output. But yeah, like when I, when I play this game, it's like. No, this like this studio tapped into the same thing that like makes people do Marvel marathons or like fuck it. Mm-hmm. I'll watch I'll watch this Marvel series on Disney because I just like hearing these characters sort of banter back and forth and like hearing right. I like hearing workplace bickering between superheroes. It's fun. Like and here it is. Like they've got it. Like they if I swear, you go back to that E3 where we're we're sitting around, I think if they just shown what happens, you just hang around the lounge of the ship for like 15 minutes. <laughs> like we'd be like, okay, okay. Or they released that as a demo, right? Like, Hey, yeah. like we just want like here, here's an hour of like exploring the ship. Um, get to know the people here. Oh um, my God. I think that would have. And my space llama, like my space, space llama, llama that reminds me so much of fridge. Mina does the little stretching, uh, does like starts bopping to the music. Um, just utterly kills me. How many times have you closed that fridge door? So many, and every time I go, <laughs> it saves. The game is watching how many times I'm sick. I'm closing that fridge, and I'm so curious uh, how that's how that's going to come back up. But yeah, like all of this ending up with Embracer is disappointing. Not just because uh, like Square giving up on these studios, and the fact that this almost always bodes ill for the people working in places like this, um, but also the fact that like Embracer does feel just like a giant investment vehicle to roll up a bunch of assets. And like, I just don't know what to make of it. No. Right. Like I, I, I the cynic, the cynical person in me looks at this as, wow, they're buying a bunch of things on the cheap and they just won't. Is it just to put the squeeze on it? Right. Like, is it, um, is it just to essentially like, look, we don't really care what happens to crystal dynamics. You know, it's actually would be a, very easy investment opportunity is to buy a buy low with Square Enix who may themselves be setting themselves up for a sale to like a Sony. And the easiest way to do that is to flush out all the stuff that they don't really know what to do with and then just be able to sell final, essentially sell Final Fantasy to Sony for some amount of money, probably more than $300 million. Um, like if you look at what happened here, the thing that spooks me is that did they just buy Tomb Raider so they can flush Crystal Dynamics in a couple of years and just say, cool, we'll just sell the back catalog? Like, that's fine. Do we need to make new games? People will just keep buying those the old music games. Model. We'll just we'll just keep porting them. We'll just become an Asper Media. We're like, and that's not I I like what Asper Media is doing of like, I'm glad they're porting those Lucas uh old LucasArts games to different platforms while, you know, Disney itself is, you know, giving it to, you know, Ubisoft and whatever. But I guess I, I just don't know. Does this end up with I don't look at this and go, we're going to get a new big budget Deus Ex. 
Like, that's not oh, no. what I take out of this. Um, I know that that's in a headline from Embracer. Like, that's what they're bragging about is we got Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Kane. I want enough. Legacy of Kane is one of my all-time favorite franchises. Like, I love that series and specifically the 3D ones that came out uh, under Eidos. Um, but I don't look at this and go, it's time for a new big-budget Legacy of Kane, or what we get is going to be like a C level, like hamstring, hamstrung budget version of all of these games, like aspiring to be AAA, but doesn't have the budget to pull it off. Like that's, I don't know, that's almost worse than getting them back at all. Um, it's so this is like, I can't, I am less certain that Embracer is going to just be a, uh, like taking a chop shop approach to its acquisitions. Like, and what makes me think that is the fact that they acquired, um, this is their thing. Like, yes, they've been rolling up video game studios, right and left video game, uh, like publishing well, gearbox too. Right. Right. But probably bigger than that. Even, uh, they bought, or maybe maybe it's more my world. Uh, they bought asthma day at the end of last year, which is a enormous, uh, like almost like the EA or Ubisoft, uh, board games um mm. and sort of like the activision acquisition they bought dark horse as well like that's just a lot of different- it's a really weird it's a really weird pile of uh like you know what asset class is a nerd shit i guess is the way you would put it but like but like asthma day a bit like activision is a huge board game publisher that also like has a ton of issues mm. sort, sort of swirling around it in terms of like it not being a particularly fun place to work by all accounts, uh, but also using its position in the market to really like put the squeeze on board game creators, you know, board game, like it used to be that the board game market was pretty open for people to bring ideas to market and like have a sustainable business model and like places like Asmodee kind of choke out, um, you know, cause you're, you're back in the old retail uh, shelf space mm-hmm. uh, issue in a lot of places in board games. And so places like Asmodee kind of squat on huge amounts of store real estate uh, with like reliable, you know, cyclical uh, products and then don't really foster an environment where like uh, game designers can thrive either working for Asmodee or like working around it. So like Embracer getting getting Asmodee is another one of those things where it's like, Wow, it's it's not quite. They're in a lot of different sectors. Um, they own Coffee Stain, who does Valheim. Like, I mean, or Goat Simulator and Satisfactory. Yeah, oh, and also Valheim. Oh, they published Valheim. They didn't develop it. Right. I mean, like this. There's just. I guess the thing is, is they don't put their logo on stuff. Right. I they mean, just, they, maybe they they're like a take things. two type thing where it's like we don't give a shit. Like, sure, maintain your brands, but we're basically a holding company. That has all these different companies working within it, and we're diversified across these sectors that way. Like maybe that's how this works, where it's gonna be pretty like hands go, go off. Go do your thing, just turn a profit, and we'll kind of leave you alone. Like we bought you because you're a proven asset. Go for it. You know that that, that that could be. Um, you you know typically what tends to get deals like this like. One of the reasons I think Act was, and I'm now I'm probably like speaking way beyond my experience or expertise. Uh, so mm-hmm. like happy to have people write in and uh, offer their thoughts. But like, 
I think historically one of the reasons that acquisitions tend to be associated with things like layoffs and like reductions in service is the acquisitions generate so much debt and so much maintenance of that debt that eventually whatever the owner intended when they came in, the minute the growth curve like sort of levels off and they realize like, shit, we have so much like debt to maintain and, and pay off that eventually you just start liquidating parts of what you acquired to try and like deal with some of the debt private equity took this a step further which is like what if we make that the entire game right where we take that 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 destructive process and use that as a profit center uh well i guess that's what that's the cynical look is like is embracer group are they like the toys are they are they looking for like safe like a cross-section of investments or is it like i'm gonna destroy toys r us toys r us because feasting on its flesh is more profitable than letting it remain a profitable successful company for 30 years right are we gannet newspapers uh of games you know i don't know i don't know Oh, the name like Embracer. I think we can only expect the best. <laughs> that doesn't help things. That does it doesn't. Not, like, it really does not. <laughs> fucking World of Darkness ass corpo name. Like, <laughs> like if you told me that was something from Citizen Sleeper, like it turns out you work for the Embracer Group. Uh, you know, like I would, I would, I would, I would believe you. <laughs> uh, so we should probably we should wind it down here. I did want to mention one thing. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I, Kato, I don't know where we're going to be putting this audio file up, but we had a, my week took a little turn in the middle of things. I was <laughs> getting ready for uh, a Dune Spice War stream oh. with Ren, and some things went awry. And we had a very good stream, but not about Dune Spice War. That was a good part two, but we had to deal with some other stuff. And so there's a, I don't know where the audio for the conversation we ended up having uh is going to live but kato i i I do think we're talking about like getting it into the podcast feed somewhere uh either for 101 either either for the waypoint plus feed or here um but i mentioned this mostly because you can also go check out the video of the stream we did uh rob's oven debacle on twitch.tv slash waypoint uh in which i sort of unpack what's been going on uh, the hard right turn my week has taken, uh, and probably sets the stage for some for some future content ideas. Um, yeah, as you want we, to be caught I, up with the waypoint lore before the next vi- uh, stream happens, you know? Right, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the plan today is, is the the day this episode drops, uh, we're going to be streaming some uh, teardown. Uh, in honor, of course, of Heat Month over in over on Manhunting, uh, it doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't. Mm. We're in Heat. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Waypoints in Heat. No, I don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, point is, heisting. It's good, and so we'll probably be playing some Teardown, uh, and probably also following up on uh, the debacle, the oven debacle. Uh, that I mentioned earlier. All of this is made possible by Waypoint Plus. Uh, you can learn more at waypointplus.com. Um, I feel like it could be made even more possible if I could charge something to the company. Because uh, if you think about it, I generated some real content this week with a small, with a small mishap. Uh-huh. 
and uh-huh. maybe it's a ta- you know what maybe it's a tax write off. Can explore that too. Um, that's that's another thing. I can, you, pro- you probably you probably could. I'm, I'm curious actually. Like maybe like what would I think I would have to you? film the new thing for it to be like a business expense. But you will. Yeah, of course. That I would will. happen regardless. Yeah, of course I will. Uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna work through it. We're gonna try to figure out what is the most efficient <laughs> uh, efficient way to handle the price down on this because it is steep. Let me tell you, there's I had to I had to make a big ticket purchase this week uh, for it. Like, long story short, can't cook any food in the house right now, Uh, (laughs) except in a microwave or like in a sous vide bag, I guess. Yeah. You don't got a toaster Um, oven? I had nothing. This whole thing is because counter space is a premium, Kato. I don't. If I had toaster oven space, nothing like would have happened have here. Toaster oven he does. Space. He does. I, have I toaster have oven space. don't. He can fit an air fryer in there too. Yeah, probably. Which I guess you wouldn't need if you had the toaster. No, the toaster oven will take care of you there. Yeah. A good one, at least. Now you got to do toaster oven research. Are you sure we haven't gotten any questions in about the st- the stove yet that we can't? Well, I think we'll be hitting some of them on the stream. Um, okay. I, I, I do. <laughs> do you want to do one or two questions? We got time. We don't have a meeting. See, here uh, yeah. I am being like, we should run an efficient show, make an easy lift for Kato. No, no, no. hour and 24 minutes. We could do, we could do two fine. questions. We're good. All right. <laughs> let's, let's go into the questions. Oh, hey, this also reminds me. We did a really fun The Thing stream earlier this week. And, yeah. of course, you know we had earlier, we did our The Thing podcast. But uh, we're, all, we're all getting cracked up over The Thing <laughs> uh, video game. And you should check out the stream uh, Patrick and Kato and I did on, on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night. But we ended up uh, talking a bit about, you know, on the last show, we ended up talking about how good the effects were, the practical effects are in uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. And Alec writes in, hey, Waypoint, I'm not here to defend the 2011 prequel to The Thing. I think it's an okay effort for a movie that literally never needed to exist. But (laughs) did y'all know that they shot that whole movie with practical effects and then, due to studio interference... They CGI'd all the f- all the fucking practical effects. Jesus Christ. Uh, and links to yes. a bloody disgusting story about this. It's honestly so wild that a studio would choose to just paste over some good looking practical effects to extremely shitty CGI. Maybe the movie's released in 3D. Was that still a thing? I, I don't know, but it's still a bummer that we could have had a version of this movie that, while still unnecessary, would have at least looked more interesting. Yes, that was um, yeah the 2011 uh, thing with Mary uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I believe, who an actress I like quite a bit, seemed like a fun lead for, uh, and the, the movie is a uh, you know a prequel follows the Norwegian crew, which if you're go- if you're if you're going to they're like two paths if you're going to do the thing again is is you're either going to uh, do a prequel, which is less interesting but at least is a path, or I think as I told told Rob when we were discussing the thing privately it's like i think you could redo the thing if you turn it into like a six episode miniseries like a limited thing you you could expand the movie into a tv show pretty pretty easily but um yeah they that movie apparently was like along the production process like when they started doing test screenings with the practical effects in which they a huge part of how they tried to convince the audience who was very skeptical about returning to the thing 
Um, like, this is a perfect movie. Why do we need to revisit it? They're like, well, yes, understand all your concerns, but we're also really going to emphasize, we're going to push back against the onslaught of CG effects. We are, we are building everything. Like, yes, the nature of how you just make movies these days is there's more CG in these movies than you even ever realize, right? Like how they change the lighting or the background in a scene. You can go look up. It's shocking how much basic computer graphics are used in films to do things that you don't associate with computer graphics. And like, look up all that aside. We're going to build these fucking monsters. And they did. And they shot it. And then they just glommed it with Vaseline. And it is that the other version has not ever been released. I've, 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 I've desperately hoped at some point in like, hey, here's a 4K version of a movie that sucked. Would you like to see the practical effects version? Like, yeah, I would. Um, but for one reason or another, that has never that has never come out. I, I, I want to rewatch it now because... Yeah. I was so disappointed at the time, knowing that I'd be disappointed. And <laughs> well, I'm sure I would still be disappointed. But now I'm, now I'm just so curious. And the fact is, like, nobody's actually said. It's it's funny. For a movie that has a bad reputation, ever since I posted about, like, accidentally get, being given, like, the digital code for it in my, uh, in, in, my mm-hmm. uh, video, in my in my DVD uh, box, like, everyone has been like, you know, it's actually better than gets credit for being. It just doesn't. I, I don't remember being terrible. Be. I remember just being. Yeah. Yeah, and right. so, like, I'm I'm actually like open to sort of checking it out uh, because it does seem like a, a movie that gets a bad rap uh, that might have just been you know saddled with an impossible task uh, and then really mismanaged from above. Uh, speaking of uh, being saddled with a uh, with an albatross, uh, a curse, Evan from it's not important where writes. <laughs> Is Patrick a curse on Chicago sports? Every time I see or hear that Patrick is at a Chicago postseason sporting event, bad things seem to happen to his team. Yeah, they're right. He's bought tickets to the Super Bowl thinking the Bears would be there, only to be present to watch their biggest rival win it instead. He witnessed the double doink in person. And this past (laughs) week, he went... Kicked at me. Kicked at me. Towards your face. Towards my face. And this past week... Well, it's now two weeks ago, but this past week... He went to a Bulls game to watch them get blown out by 30. The lar- the, I believe the largest uh, playoff deficit in franchise history. Um, yes, I know. I have given this I have given this question great thought uh, as well. I found it. I well, found Evan it holds this out, though. Is there okay. a pattern here? Is this merely a result of the constant state of Chicago sports? Mm. The problem I mean, I think by and large, Chicago sports are extremely cursed. Like, yes. I think that is that is mostly true. I think uh, the most like the most successful franchise, the 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 greatest dynasty in modern uh, like current mo- like in in two thousands and and later Chicago sports history is tainted by a nightmarish abuse scandal. Um, and that is that's the best that's the best thing Chicago sports had right. going uh, is is a Blackhawks. And it was team. like a ret- retroactively ruined it. Oh, you yeah. got to enjoy the Blackhawks being exceptionally good for a number of years. And then later, oh, I can't feel good about any of that. Like literally. Anyway. And all the other teams have sh- horrible owners. I mean, that's just yeah. sports. But all the Chicago team. Right. Well, yeah. Right. Because it's the same guy who owns the White Sox and the Bulls. I don't. I guess I don't know anything about the Blackhawks ownership, but they tried to cover oh, that, up. No, that dude sucks. Like, like he okay. got the, the, earlier this year. He I watch hockey the public. least. So somebody asked him basically about like how are they like 
how can he prove things will be different in the future? Oh, uh, right. And he blew up at the reporter for even asking. He got yeah. really cranky. Like, how how yeah. dare you continue to bring up this abuse scandal that, by the way, the reason it's an ongoing abuse scandal is because the person they covered up for, like, went on to abuse someone else at another, like, institution. So, like, that, like, their owner, a nightmare. Um, and, like, just absolutely no sense of remorse from that organization. Um, the Bears... Just a founding family not, not like malicious no, yeah yeah they they don't they inherited this is a this is a family that lucked into being on the ground floor of like the most successful sports franchise in maybe like most successful sporting league maybe in history uh like because I, I i think in terms of like what the nfl brings in over the course of its existence, I'm not even sure like major le- like leagues in European football quite stack up. But like this family just blundered into being on the ground floor of this and had no business still being there. Um, the the counter to the theory that maybe Chicago sports itself is just cursed and that when I every couple of years show up to a postseason game at one of them would be. And this was rubbed in my face immediately. So I went to the game, the, the Bulls game on Friday evening with a friend who offered to... I did not buy tickets to the Super Bowl. My dad worked for the Riddell. So I, I just was able to... A free ride onto, onto that one. It was, it, was, it was I paid for the tickets to the, to the Bears. For the Bulls, I was also just riding someone else's financial coattails. Um, and... So we go to that game, gets blown out. They work in music, are getting ready to go on the road for a couple of months with the the artist they work with. And uh, he was like, do you want to go to the Cubs tomorrow? Weather's supposed to be nice. The Cubs are pretty terrible right now. But he's like, it's just fun to go to Wrigley Field and walk around Wrigleyville and see all the the shitty drunk bros. I was like, you know, it's just too much to be away from my family. I'm just going to do the Bulls game, you know, have fun at the Cubs game. So they get blown, blown out the Bulls game. Cubs game the next day. Just take a crack at what you think the score was at the Cubs game, like knowing the dramatic tension I have, I have illustrated here. I mean, I've heard some pretty wild baseball scores. Hit me. All right, like, give me one. Twelve zero. Twenty-one to zero. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I I attended the what I believe is the biggest blowout. Playoff blowout in Bulls franchise history, only for my friend who I attended the Bulls game with to go to the Cubs game the next day to attend the greatest blowout in the Cubs' favor in in franchise history. So I think that itself may illustrate, yes, Chicago sports are cursed as a concept, but that I may bring, I might bring be bringing a little curse to the table. That's uh, that's pretty convincing. I don't. That's unfortunate. It's too bad you can't ever go to playoff games again um, for the rest of your life. But you need to stop doing. <laughs> Maybe that. I just have to bring you next time. Uh, I'm would, pretty would sure you I be don't. A counterweight. Well, you know the Cubs won both their games against the Dodgers that I attended uh, in, in the 16 run. Um, when Justin Fields wow. is leading uh, the Bears in two years, when they finally get their shit together. Uh, knocking out the final year 
of of Aaron Rodgers when he turns into Brett Favre finally will be there. It won't be at the stadium that's five minutes from my house. That's a couple of years off. Yeah, we can go to Soldier Field one last time. That's true. That would be a great way to great way to see it out. Uh, yeah. Also, oh wait, I didn't think about that. That stadium, which is like five six years off or something. Uh, does the curse? Ex- how? What is the proximity of my curse? If the stadium is five minutes from me, am I just just exhibiting the curse? At all no, you times? have to be there. You have to actually. I have to be, be there. there. Yes. Okay. Because uh, like, well, it's a it's a good thing I put my name on the list to be a season ticket holder one day. Oh God! See, <laughs> this has always been the problem with the Bears is the season ticket holders. Uh, also, the, the fact that they will just continue to fork over cash because once you once you got it, you know you're not giving up that spot no matter how bad that team is. Um, uh, well, know that. I'm, I'm told you just got to sell the Packers tickets and then yeah, they pay for themselves. So, uh, anyway, Eleanor and Austin writes, Hey, waypointers on a recent podcast, you shared some stories about shoplifting, which we all agree is cool and good. I have a shoplifting <laughs> anecdote. It's too good. Not <laughs> the to stories. Share. Yeah. Uh, for some context, <laughs> left-handing is the practice of holding an object you intend to steal as a completely normal transaction at the register. Usually you pay for something insubstantial like a bottle of water or bag of chips while left-handing something much more valuable. It's a fairly low-stakes method of shoplifting as cashiers will rarely call will usually not call you on it if you approach with confidence, and if they do, you can always claim to have forgotten you were holding it and either pay for it or ask them to put it back for you. Armed with that context, I can now relate my all-time favorite shoplifting anecdote in a single sentence. When we were in high school, my buddy Wes left-handed a surfboard. amazing incredible that is that is a that is a rolling a natural 20 uh if ever i've heard it that is a like you were advised not to do this but (laughs) did it anyway and uh avoided avoided the punishment that was uh absolutely uh headed your way for for what should have been a terrible decision uh can i read the can i read this can i read this email yeah um Mm. I'd, I'd marked this one uh, earlier. Um, comes in from uh, Kelly in Seattle. Hey, Waypoint. Y'all were talking about monitor arms on a recent episode, complaining about how finicky and difficult they are. Side note, I, I think the solution to a lot of my problems is I need to move my desk back. Like, mm. I think I'm just like practically too close to everything. My desk mm-hmm. has always been right up against the wall. And the way these monitor arms work, they just need like a little more space to breathe. And then I think I'll actually be able to get like what I'm looking for, which I can't, I can move, I can move the, the bookshelf back a like half a foot. Anyway, uh, y'all were talking about modern arms in a recent episode complaining about finicky and difficult they are. And I realized my time to write in had finally come. I worked in office furniture, installing, selling, manufacturing, repair for about 10 years. And oh boy, monitor arms. It's a widely known secret that basically all monitor arms are complete garbage. It's only until you start spending 300 to $500 a pop that they really start being able to do much of anything that people actually want. Full rotation on three axes, more than a 90 degree of tilt, actual good hydraulics so your monitor doesn't slowly fall over time. Uh, even the highest in manufacturers often have two lines of monitor arms. The good ones for executives and IT people and the crap ones for everyone else. <laughs> it's pretty frequent that furniture dealers on large projects will use monitor arms as a way to save money because the clients often can't tell the difference between well-made ones and crap ones bought on AliExpress, which is the Ugh. Indian, like Amazon, right? Um, unless they get to see the boxes. Uh Anyways, the ergonomics of monitor arms is especially weird because despite what people often claim, most folks don't actually look 
completely horizontally. Even if you're sitting in a fully kitted out ergo chair at a good desk, often people tilt their heads or spines sometimes upwards of two degrees while looking at screens. This also can be exacerbated by warped desks or bad monitor stands, which are which are also often not flat. I'm sure this isn't that interesting, but as someone who works in furniture, I think the weird pieces of design that we end up using for much of our working lives, fascinating. That and all this worthless information is stuck in my head, and I have no one to talk, no one to talk about it with. Thanks for all you do. Fuck capitalism. Burn it all down. Kelly in Seattle. That was a great email. P.S. Oh, you've read this email. Oh, if you're having trouble getting your monitor arms to just the right space, try moving your desk away from the wall. Oh, I didn't even... Most desk-mounted monitor arms are designed to stick out from the back of the desk fully, not not be sideways. I think that's where I got the idea. Mm. Also, wall-mounted monitor arms are for IT people and fools only. (laughs) Sorry, Rob, but you only need a wall-mounted setup if you have three-plus screens or no desk. Damn, owned by Kelly in Seattle. Wow. Kelly in Seattle, you don't know shit about my life. Uh, Actually, you probably know quite a bit about my life at this point. I mean, we kind of say Um, it into a microphone every week. Regular listeners probably know more about my life at this point than my parents. Uh, (laughs) Definitely know more about my life than my parents. Uh, Okay, hold the fuck on. First of all, I bought one of the good. All right, Stephen A. Smith. Okay, like I was like, I did the research. MK did the research and was like, this is this is what you're getting. This is not crap. Uh, And the other thing is. It solves a lot of the issues that crop up with like spaces at a premium, like I didn't have clearance to put a mount on the back of my desk. It would have fucked a bunch of things up, but having it on the wall has made it all good. And plus, while I'm not an IT person. Think about how much shit I have to do out of this little room. Think about how much this little room has to do mm-hmm. and how much this little room I've not. But I now I don't when he says little room. Yeah. No space counter space. I God. don't. I what don't that trust mean? him anymore. <laughs> can I get can we get blueprints? Can I see the space? <laughs> you believe you think. <laughs> That I'm underestimating how much space is in my own home. I'm just saying, you showed us some pictures and you've laid some seeds of doubt yeah. about how you portray the world you live in. I think. Okay, so people did point out, and I and I've had, I've also worked with smaller kitchens than what I've got now. Sure. But this is this is the crucial part. Okay, so this is a transitional kitchen is the way I put it. Where like some kitchens are so tiny and shitty to keep you honest about like what is truly essential. Mm. And then there's like the big off suburban like, you know, palatial like center of the home showpiece kitchen. Everything is there. I don't have that. Not even close to it. But I do have just enough space to start getting some of the shit that should be going in a giant <laughs> suburban fuck off kitchen. And it is possible that I've begun to clutter up a pretty reasonable sized kitchen with a lot of things that like really don't need to be out occupying counter space all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, like enormous stand mixers. Not in that um, cabinet under where it is. Pardon? Would that fit in the cabinet? Under where it's currently on the counter. Okay, so 
Kato, the thing is that it should, but the cabinets are really bad. Like, oh, like no. the okay. cabinetry <laughs> would make you so angry if I opened the doors because it's like, how could you take a bunch of cabinet space and make it utterly fucking useless? The answer is how they did these cabinets. And so like the cabinet situation is not good. I'm being honest about this. Mm-hmm. Like this is not me okay. overstate. Like it's bad. It's bad. Uh, so it's better that that thing live out um, and, right. and roam free. Uh, but it is possible that like there's that I have plenty of space. I'm just using it really badly. Um, and Patrick noted something which I did not yesterday, which was that at a crucial moment when I was like, there's no space on the counters. A counter is being occupied by nothing but a soup uh, terrine lid. <laughs> so all that was there was a lid. There's a, a lid. Some soup. Where does soup so, lid go? the size the of lid? a cutting board or the size <laughs> of a. A uh, bag of ice that uh, uh-huh. you, one wished to smash. I could have just moved that lid. Uh, Would have forestalled a, a whole rigmarole. Uh, but that is that is true. Um, so my but my point is, I needed this wall mounted uh, monitor arm. It's what enables uh, you know good good shots. It's the like, only thing that would hold up that gigantic uh, ultra wide that you have. So the wide, came with. It's, yeah. Yeah, the stand it came with that was working out pretty well before that, but it works better now because now yeah. I can move this thing aside and oh, it just it makes the entire desk space sort of disappear when not used. It's beautiful. I love it. Haven't adjusted it in like two weeks. Uh, anyway, uh, I think our last email comes from and this kind of gives away of like, you know, this will give you a hint of what went wrong for Rob this week. Charles writes, Rob, get a wolf. No, I, I I was like this is this sounds weird, but that's not mm. uh, not actually like a wolf wolf, not like uh-huh. Canis lupus lupus. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, one of these. If you look, I just I sent you all a link to oh. a sub zero wolf. It's a line of their high end like pro grade or prosumer, uh, like. Cooking Pros, appliances. Prosumer. Oh my <laughs> oh god. Here. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Ren just Ren went Jesus Christ Rob to getting a Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh <laughs> So, so Ren is completing a draft. Waypoint is typing. Dot dot dot. Oh, caps lock. Uh. Anyway, so <laughs> so Charles writes, "Rob, get a wolf," and it's this. This is a here's okay. Here's here's what's throwing me off. So this is a person linking me to a what nine thousand dollar oven, mm-hmm. um, and a, a range in oven. It's an induction induction range uh, oven. It's a thirty inch like standard size, uh, but yeah, it's like nine thousand dollars. And here's the weird thing: compared to what I've been looking at, this actually looks really not fancy. Doesn't it look like really just? It looks. It's, it's probably the material. It's probably the material, right? It just doesn't. All, all the. 
it seems so minimal. It's like it's got good. Yeah, it's got all the cooking modes you expect in like induction ranges with like convection ovens. But like it seems incredibly stripped down and basic. But here's the value proposition that Charles wants me to know about. Is it expensive? Yes. But hear me out. It has all the features you're looking for. An induction top with a very good convection oven. Plus, they have 30, a 30-inch 30 and a 36-inch model, which by looking at the stream, I bet you have one or the other. There are some visual aids on the stream. Again, I highly recommend checking it out on twitch.tv slash waypoint, uh, or you'll hear more about it uh, in our podcast feed. Back to Charles. Also, it's built like a tank. You'll never need to replace it. Growing up, my mom was in the restaurant business, so I was around a lot of commercial equipment. When I was six, we renovated our kitchen, and my mom put in an eight-burner gas Vulcan commercial range with a big enough oven to fit full sheet pans and a salamander above the range. This was the stove I learned to cook on. When renovating the house I live in, when renovating the house I live in now, I tested a lot of different stoves, hoping for a residential range that was like that was most like a consumer model. For me, Wolf was the closest thing I could find to that incredible old Vulcan but that fit in with standard residential counter depths, commercial units are deeper and would have stuck too far into the room. Fuck capitalism and electric resistance coil ranges and go home. And I fucked up that electric resistance coil range. I was like, this is old tech. It's broke. And I showed it. Uh, but yeah, people, people keep trying to drop little, keep trying to get me on like following little trails of breadcrumbs mm-hmm. to like, Kitchen equipment that costs more than a car. And I see what you're doing. People are testing the limits of my suggestibility. But I'm going to stay strong. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I can't. I mean, or or, or, or are they just expanding the Overton window? Which is that, (laughs) well, no, I would never purchase something this expensive. But I could purchase something. a little bit more expensive than what I was looking at before. Yeah. So they might be accomplishing their goal by just expanding the range of possibilities on, on one side. You know, Hey, maybe they are being helpful uh, in that way, <laughs> but you know, also hang on. I don't want to, I don't want to be unfair to Charles. Yes. It is a $9,000 range and oven, mm-hmm. but if it's really, really good, isn't that cheap? Oh my god! All right, do the outro. What if it lasts forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, year after you're year, live, are you going to live? Are you going to live there keeps, forever? It just keeps changing. Are you going to live there forever? Thanks yeah. to the nutritious food. Oh, am I going to live here forever? Yeah. Oh God, I hope not. Probably, but I hope not. Are you going to take that thing with you and tell the person you're selling it to you got to buy a new stove? I mean, you should probably. No, because I want a money. bigger range. Co- if I move to it, if, if we're leaving, we're going to a better, bigger place. Yeah, did you measure? Did you kitchen. measure the gap? Did you measure the gap? By the way, yeah, do we it's know? thirty inch. It's a thirty inch gap. It's thirty. Okay, they have. Yeah. See, they make them for thirty inch. Yeah, you, you got a wolf right here, thirty inch wolf. Got your wolf right here. Oh. <laughs> hey, got your wolf right here. <laughs> God, that's, that's Kato getting his poaching business God off the ground. <laughs> oh no! Uh, you get. <laughs> turns oh, out he was a Florida years. man after all. Come to Kato's exotic invasive species emporia. You got a rabbit problem? Well, no. Now you got a wolf problem. Hey, look, if this doesn't work (laughs) out, you just release it. Water supply, the woods, either one will be fine. 
No one will ever Rob, put two and two together. Rob, I don't trust that Kato guy. He got a moth problem that he can't get under control. That's, that's Yo, true. Okay, come on. Moths are fucking... They're... If you've never had a moth problem, you don't understand the fucking hell that I've been through this last week. They're everywhere. They're in everything. You can never get rid of them. Their eggs are too small to see. I'm just got to move. I'm not... I, yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Shouldn't you just pay for someone to come at this point? Yeah, they're coming this weekend. But okay. it's one of those things where, like, their life cycle is such that if you leave it, it gets right. exponentially you worse. In, you have to wait. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. They, like, Ugh, they like hatch in waves every, like, two to three days, and then it's Ugh. it's bad. One day we saw, like, we saw six of them, which it's, like, one of those things where if you see six, there's, like, times ten somewhere else. <laughs> that, that kind of horrifying numbers. You know, I would have to live here for a long time for the math to work out in the Wolf Range. Yeah, like a long time. Yeah, we're talking. You'd have about to be there. You'd have to be there a decade, at least, at, at least. least. But even there, like, how old was that whirlpool that I that failed? Um, <laughs> much, much older than ten years. I'm sure. Right. So, like that, that thing, failed. probably like a thousand dollars when it was new. Lasted right. you, ages. I think. I think you, you most appliances in which you're spending between five to. Five hundred thousand dollars. You're expecting about a decade. Out of yeah. It. yeah. So what you're buying is like something you're expecting thirty years. That's, a, and that's yeah. an heirloom piece. Honestly, you're gonna <laughs> right. pass that down and, to a different generation. <laughs> and I'm not sure that induction ranges stay good in that way forever. Ah. Because magnets do lose potency, and induction ranges are powered by that. So Can I, you I am curious. Replace the like, magnets. I would assume that like. That's part of the value proposition you get with Wolf is that they will like come come and do that kind of service mm. call. But, you know, this is one of the advantages the gas has, right? Of like as long as the line is coming in, yeah. the fundamental like driver of the heat is going to work. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I am curious if like the like lifetime induction range is really value proposition that makes any sense. But anyway, we're exploring all of this uh, a bit as I try to figure out my life and uh, regain the ability (laughs) to make food uh, later this week. That is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where are you? At Patrick Klopping. Kato. At A underscore Cotto underscore Pierce. I think you're, I think we're going to find you like cocooned uh, in, in like a little. God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, you know what I want to watch after? A cocoon. After watching the thing, it's been decades since I've seen The Fly. That's a Jeff I Goldblum I never want to see the. Okay. So the thing is, the only bits of the thing, the, the fly that I've seen. Still, just thinking about them make me sick. <laughs> we should watch them. Like, just thinking about them make me, right. like, feel physically unwell. But what if you could watch it in UHD? That is not, well, <laughs> it might look so not convincing maybe, maybe anymore. Maybe it would distill some of the, you would tell that it was practical. Well, I'll tell you this, you like, go- honestly, watching the commentary on the thing kind of helped me process the thing, too, because, like, mm-hmm. once you're sort of watching on those two layers of, like, ah, this is a great movie, great story, it's all suspenseful, but then also you're watching with that layer of, and also I know that these are actors, and I know that, like, how that model mm-hmm. worked, like, it does kind of help diffuse some of it. 
So maybe, maybe, yeah, a collector's edition of the thing of the fly would would work out. Oh, that reminds me, video game Mantis so much better than Marvel MCU Mantis. Uh, the fact that well, she's one's like, a character and one's a racist caricature. Yes, uh, hands down. Like we took we took the eerie uh, like prophet. And just turned her into a stereotype for, for comedic oh, yeah. effect in the She's movie. She's not in that game a lot, but the bits that she has are a delight. They're still funny, but also it's unsettling because, yeah, she is like hopping between, you know, it's great. Yes. Uh, so for our subscribers, be sure and listen to the premium feed. Uh, next week, we're going to be watching, uh, you know, because Waypoint's in heat, uh, we're going to be watching L.A. Takedown. Uh, Dia and Alex and I, it's going to be Michael Mann's rough draft of Heat. Uh, and then later this month, we're going to be tackling uh, Heat itself. Plus, you know, you can check out that uh, Waypoint 101 we did on Sid Meier's Gettysburg, which we all loved and uh, was was proven to be a timeless classic. Uh, <laughs> sign up at waypointplus.com to support our streams and you get access to our premium podcasts and maybe help me make good some of these uh, losses I've incurred lately. Uh, and to that end, uh, lots of people were asking me, Hey Rob, that's an incredible mug you're drinking out of on stream. Uh, where can I get it? Well, hurry over to waypointgeneralstore.com, uh, and get yourself a waypoint mug cause they won't be around forever. We are, you're actively like looking we're, at designs for, we are working on replacing a new, them, a new, new merch. And so at some point this version will disappear. It will, it happen before, on the other hand, stream? well, that that depends on factors that are slightly out of our hands. <laughs> on the other hand, better stuff is undeniably coming, which is very much also the point here. Which yes. is, so, hey, hurry over there would and buy like, this. Yeah, like, would you like an off-colored mug that's going to disappear pretty soon? Yeah, we it's we a, made kind of a be a collector's item. You know, rarity goes up because there's less of them. It's limited edition. Hear that, Frank? Frank you can Falding, definitely, you gotta, yeah, gotta get <laughs> in on send this. Send your waypoint Shit. mug to wait. <laughs> Ship yours to us, I'll drink out of it, and I'll send it back to you. You get a little oh bit of waypoint God. in your waypoint oh mug. So, yeah, let's start. So, let's think of other things we could use and sell to people. Uh, it's, it's, I've heard it's a great business model. Uh, I mean, and obviously it'd be a way to keep us on a sustainable footing uh, and not like and not Rob's make things to weird. Get into a bath and start no, God, I wasn't up. gonna say it. Well. That's it for this week. <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week. Till then, different kind capitalism. of capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Uh, 
If friend gets in though, y'all can clap. I'm leaving this recording going. All right, uh, Kato said he could just, he left the recording going so we can just do time.is. Um, all right, let's clap on 58. Cottle, Cottle know what to do when he comes back. <laughs>